time we're going to celebrate with Jessie what God's done in her life and she's going to be baptized as an outward expression of the fact that she's put her faith in Christ. Before she does that, I want to bring a word of encouragement to us as a church and also explain a little bit about what baptism is. I really believe God is doing and going to do something significant today if you're in need of healing uh, or a miracle in your life or if you don't know the Lord and today I believe he's extending an invitation to you to come to know him to know his power in your life Uh, he works wonderful wonderful things in the midst of difficult circumstances and times but I'm going to read it for us from the book of Acts chapter 8 and um, and then make some comments comments over it Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. And yet who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, this scripture, he then told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Here we see a chance, a seemingly chance encounter that results in the good news of Jesus, this message of salvation that began in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, a small part of the Roman Empire at the time, a place that very few people had heard of, we see a chance encounter with an Ethiopian on the road resulting in the good news of Jesus going to Africa, going to Ethiopia. And this is the first time in the book of Acts where the good news of Jesus has impacted someone who's outside of the people of God. In the Bible, the people of God were the Jewish nation. This, for the first time, the blessing of God reaches beyond the the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and it comes to a man from Ethiopia. It comes to Africa. The gospel is good news and begins by blessing the nations. Before we jump into the text, I want you to notice something. At the, end of what, uh, at the end of this account, the eunuch says to Philip, here's water, what's to prevent me being baptized? And so if at the end of my message, 
you would like to be baptized, you're welcome to. We have towels and a change of clothes for anybody who's not been baptized and would like today to become a Christian and get baptized as an expression of that. You can come forward and we'll baptize you and celebrate with you what God's doing. As I said, we have spare towels and clothes, so don't let that put you off. Now, several months ago, I was talking to Vince and Sharon, and they shared with me a scripture in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, that says this, Behold, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. As a result of that prophetic word and their encouragement, we did a teaching series entitled What God Does in the Deserts. What God Does in Deserts. And what you see in the Bible is that in the desert places, in places of wilderness where seemingly nothing good happens and nothing grows, there God often works miracles in people's lives. And there in the desert, it seems to be as God's training school. It's not the training school we would choose, but it's often the training school that God chooses most often. Desert places, hard places, places of wilderness. We had little idea at the time quite how significant that scripture would be for us as a church at this time. So I want us to see that this, what we've read, is a fulfillment of that promise in Isaiah hundreds of years ago that God will make a way through the desert. He'll make a river in the wilderness. And here we find Philip. Well, let's read it. This is beautiful. In verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a very specific instruction, isn't it? This is the angel acting as a sat-nav for Philip. Um, most often in our lives, God's direction and leading is more like a compass than a sat-nav. It's more like, go this way. Be this kind of person in the world. But on this occasion, it's a very clear direction. And you can imagine when Philip got there, he would have been expecting perhaps his satnav to say, turn around when possible. This is just a desert place. There's nothing here. Turn around when possible. But the next two sentences in this Bible reading tell us a lot, both about Philip and about what God is going to do. In verse 27, oh sorry, the end of verse 26, after the angel told Philip to go to this place, it says this, this is a desert place. This is a desert place. And we tend to think that God would never ask us to go to a desert place, to a place of difficulty, a wilderness of despair and despondency. This is a desert place. The angel of the Lord said, Philip, go here. He's very clear about that the angel of the Lord has led him here. And the Bible says this was a desert place. Why would God send one of his best someone that he loves, to the desert. I mean, in the verses before the ones I read, Philip has an encounter with uh, a pagan magician. And the magician is so bowled over by the power of God, he gives his life to the Lord Jesus and becomes a follower of Jesus. So Philip is a, is a man that God is using mightily. And yet Philip is a man that God has told, go to the desert. And deserts, are places of heat and intensity, places where we feel we cannot escape. They're dry places, which for creatures like us who are 60% water, made up of 60% water, that's not good. <laughs> I don't know how you'd have responded if you felt the Holy Spirit or the angel of the Lord telling you to go to the desert place. 
Maybe you'd have said, I'll go, but can I take a tap? <laughs> can I take a, a caravan of water with me? I'll go wherever you want. I just want to make sure I've got some essential security with me. Because who's, who's to tell what food there is in the desert or what water there is? Deserts are places of death. Nothing lives in deserts. There's no opportunity for reputation to be established or for your fame to go far and wide. It's just a desert. There's nothing there. And listen to how the next sentence. So that first sentence is, this is a desert place. Full stop. Next sentence. And he rose and went. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. It tells us some vital information about Philip. That he was a man who was willing to trust seemingly lethal commands by God. Go into this place without any security, any comfort, a place where in all likelihood you could die. And Philip obeyed and went. Everything else that follows in the story of what we read follows on the heels of those two statements. It's a desert place, but yet Philip went. The blessing of God, life transformation, and the gospel going to the nations followed as a result of Philip's obedience. And who did Philip meet in the desert? He met a eunuch. What exactly is a eunuch? Well, a eunuch is a man who's been castrated. And as a result of that castration, is able to serve in royal courts and often in, in amongst the, the king's servants and slaves and pose no threat to the women because he's unable to have sex. The eunuch is a broken individual. He's not fully able to fulfill the calling of God on humanity. He's not able to reproduce. He's a broken man. And maybe you feel like a broken person today. Many of us are carrying deep scars and wounds and sadnesses at the moment because of the season of grief that we're in. But maybe you're feeling broken for other reasons. Maybe you're feeling broken because of how people have treated you or because of what people have said about you, or because of how disappointed you are in yourself. Maybe you're feeling broken because all of your hopes just keep crashing to the ground, and you've, you lose the opportunities that come your way. You feel like you're constantly failing, constantly making mistakes. You feel like life has very little to offer you at the moment. You feel, if you're honest, you probably feel hopeless. Maybe you're the kind of person that when you walk into a room like this, a church of all places, you look around and you think everybody else has it together, don't they? Look at them. They all look so happy and smiling and their lives, all of their lives seem perfect except mine. I could tell you some stories about people in the room if you want. <laughs> that we're, we're all broken actually. We're everybody in this room, the only prerequisite requirement for entry into the church is that you're broken. And that you know it. You might be here and think, I'm not broken. I, I don't have any problems. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need God. Well, God bless you. You should teach us what that feels like because that's not our experience. And that certainly wasn't the Ethiopian eunuch's experience. So we know that he's a eunuch. That's how we introduced him from the beginning. How, what else do we know about him? We know he's Ethiopian, as I mentioned earlier. Well, and we know he's a, a court official. He's influential. He's riding a chariot of all things. And we know that he's been to Jerusalem to seek God. He's a broken individual who's outside of the people of God. He's not 
Jewish, and at that time, as I said, all of God's people were Jewish. He's outside of the people of God, a broken individual, but he's seeking God. He's traveled a long way to offer sacrifices because there's a longing in his heart to know God, to be included, to be accepted by God. And he's gone to Jerusalem wondering, will I be accepted? Will God have a person like me? There's a remarkable promise in the book of Isaiah. In chapter 56, just a few verses after the ones that he reads to, um, to Philip in the chariot. In Isaiah 56, it says this. Thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs, who, to the eunuchs I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. To the eunuchs, to those who are unable to have children, I will give them a name better than sons and daughters, better than included and accepted and loved. I will give them a pride of place in my people. Those who are broken and damaged individuals that the world has rejected. Those who don't fit the categories of the world. Who are neither this nor that. What is a eunuch? He's neither male nor female. To people like that in our society with the conversations around trans rights and intersex people. To those people. To people that the world looks on and goes, I don't even know what to do with that category. I don't even know how to let them compete in the Olympics. Or what should we do with our sporting events and people who don't fit our categories? What do we do? The Lord says, I'll give them a name better than sons and daughters. To people that broken that the world looks on and goes, they're just in mocks and insults and says, what even is that? To those people that have a place in the kingdom of God and it's not a marginal place. It's not a you can come in but you have to sit at the back. Well, you can come in, but you can't play in the band. I'll give you a name better than sons and daughters, is what God says. And so Philip approaches the eunuch. I mean, wouldn't you? The Lord's told you to go to a desert place. You think there's no food, there's no water. There's a chariot. I'll go see what's going on. And I love what it says. He runs alongside the chariot. So you get this fairly comic scene of a man who finds himself in the desert going, I'm not really sure why I'm here, but I'm here. And there's a, there's a chariot, so I'll just run alongside it, because who wouldn't? <laughs> He's running alongside the chariot, and he listens in. And he can hear the eunuch reading to himself. What's he reading? It's not the Chronicles of Narnia. It's not Harry Potter. He's not just reading the paper. He's reading one of the most significant and profound prophetic words ever given to humanity. Hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus. This man happens to be reading at the very time that Philip's jogging alongside the chariot. He happens to be reading the very verses that promise Jesus to the world. This is what he reads. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Who's he talking about? Like a lamb before it shed. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Lord Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, this promise was given that one was going to come who was going to be led on our behalf, who was going to be silent before his captors, who was going to be beaten to the point that they said his, his appearance was marred beyond that of human recognition, he was going to be giving a grave among the wicked, Isaiah says, buried as a common criminal, strung up to die on a cross as Jesus was. And the eunuch asks, who's he talking about, himself or someone else? And why would, why would he do this? And Philip explains the good news about Jesus. Beginning with this scripture, he explains the good news about Jesus. That God looked at a broken humanity and he rather than washing his hands of us and saying, I'll start with planet B, 
rather than washing his hands of us, he entered into the world, became a vulnerable, helpless infant. He took on your frailty and mine. God himself experienced rejection at the hand of people, humiliated, despised, told by his countrymen, we want nothing to do with you. They strung him up on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem for all to see. And as he was dying, in his very words, he told them why he was dying. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That the Son of God died so that we could know forgiveness with our Father. And the reason he did that was because he knew for broken and lost and wayward people like you and me, he knew it would be impossible for you to ever find your way back to God on your own. It would be impossible for you to ever repair the damage done by the world, by your sin, by existence. Impossible to ever repair that damage such that you could come to know God. Impossible for you to save yourself. Impossible for you to go to heaven. Impossible for you to become friends with God. Impossible. And so God himself becomes a man and dies a death on your behalf. So that all those who look to the Son of God, who put their trust and confidence in him, can be saved. You know, we have all been reminded in the last couple of weeks just how short life is and how quickly life can turn. In the blink of an eye, you could find yourself standing before God Almighty having to give an account of your life. What have you done with the life I've given you? And if you're honest, you know you've fallen short. You've not made the most of your potential. You've not lived your life as you know you should have. You've followed the crowd. You've disobeyed clear commands of God. You've violated your own conscience. You've wandered away like a sheep, gone astray. We all have. And it's impossible for us to ever come back. And so in a blink of an eye, in a moment, life can change and we can die, find ourselves before God. There's no telling you're going to live till tomorrow. There's no telling I am, no telling any of us are. We've been reminded of that in the last two weeks. Don't lose the, don't, don't, uh, there's two preachers in the room today, isn't there? I'm here, but there's also the knowledge of what's happened in the last week preaching a message to you and I that we've lost a dear friend a brother a husband a father we've lost one that had no idea that the Lord was calling him you know Vince had this wonderful prophetic word that the Lord spoke to him before he died of him riding on a chariot and of an army alongside him going into battle. He did his best to understand what he felt the Lord was speaking to him about. Talking with Sharon this week, we remembered that vision that Vince had, remembered that the manner of his death was he was on his bike, a chariot of sorts, the chariot that he would have chosen, let's be honest, in life. 
you'd have said to Vince, would you like a chariot or a bike? You'd have said, oh, bikes are faster. I'll have a bike, please. But the Lord transferred him then from one chariot to another. Philip sees a man riding a chariot, runs alongside him, and explains to him the good news about Jesus is this. You couldn't save yourself, but you don't have to. He has died for you, so you can come to know him yourself. And so Philip says, this story of Jesus, he died and he's, he's alive again. He then looks to, he, I mean, in the desert, they then come across some water. And rather than thinking, I'm saved of my thirst, he says, I can be saved of my sin. What's to stop me dying in this water and coming to life now as an expression of my trust and confidence being placed in Jesus? What's to stop me, he says? Nothing. Nothing's to stop you, Philip, because Jesus has done it. Because Jesus has died on the cross, gone into the tomb of death, experienced and tasted death for us, and because he has then been raised to God by the power of the Father. Now anyone who looks to Jesus can have that same confidence that though we die, we'll live. And if we put our confidence in Jesus, we can enact that moment dramatically before the heavenlies, before the angels and demons and before our family and friends. We can die a death in the grave of water and be raised to new life as a way of telling the world, I've died and I've raised and I'm now living for Christ because Christ died and Christ was raised. He now lives to the glory of the Father. I have confidence now that I shall, even though I die, I shall live forever. We were singing a song that referenced that earlier. We have confidence. We know that Vince is alive. He has been transferred from one degree of glory into the next. Anyone who puts their hope in Christ and is baptized as a, as a result of that faith, that reaching out and saying, Jesus, I believe you, I trust you, I want to follow you, help me. Anyone who does that and is baptized into the tomb of the water and raised to new life, they also can have that same confidence. Death cannot terrify Christians anymore. Oh, it breaks our heart. We, it inflicts sorrow upon sorrow on us, but it cannot terrify us because we know that death is dead because Christ is raised. And because Christ is raised, we too will be raised. And so in the desert, the eunuch, a broken individual, is baptized, the gospel goes to Africa, blessing comes to the nations. One man is saved and transferred from death to life because God told one of his followers, go into the desert, and he went. So if you haven't been baptized today, there is nothing to prevent you from being baptized today, this morning. If you're willing to put your hope in Jesus, Ask him to forgive you. If you're able to, in your mind's eye, with the eye of faith, look at the cross of Christ and see that death he died, he died for me. I want that. I want what he fought for on that cross. I want it. If you're willing to reach out in faith and say that, repent of your sin and put your hope in him, you can be baptized as an expression of that faith, as an expression of the new life of God in you. I'm going to pray Kev is then going to lead us in a song and I'm going to invite you to come and be baptised today and you can come to the front in a moment stand here, we'll then sort you out with some clothes and towels etc 
And then after Jesse's been baptised, you too can be baptised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, nothing exists except by the word of your power. You have created everything. Lord, you have led us into a desert place. And we know that in this desert place, you're able to do miracles. You're able to raise the dead. And so we pray today, Lord, in your mighty power, come and raise the dead. Come and bring about new birth. Come and bring blessing to the nations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.